welcome back to another Portier podcast. This time we have a guest on the podcast. It's the first time we do this, and it was a request by the community. We're diving deep into DMT research at the frontier of what's possible with psychedelics. So our guest today is John Chavez. He's the founder of DMT Quest, the nonprofit with a continuous mission to raise awareness and fund research exploring endogenous DMT, which is made inside our own bodies. We highly recommend visiting dmtquest.org and checking out his absolutely profound documentary, which he provides for free on YouTube. And it clearly shows there's a lot of effort into making this exceptional film that went viral and raised a global interest on the topic. Um, John says that if $3.2 million can be spent into studying the effects of alcohol in monkeys, surely there should be a similar amount available for the research and endogenous DMT. So thank you. John, for making time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I had a conversation with you guys a couple months ago and you guys were working on some intriguing things. So it's good to keep in contact. Uh, like I said, or like you said, uh, the documentary focused on the 2019 study at University of Michigan that pretty much changed the whole conversation regarding endogenous DMT. Uh, prior to that, there was a 2013 study that proved that DMT was producing the pineal gland of rats uh, in live rats. And we had to wait a whole six years to see uh, the 2019 study that showed that DMT is produced throughout the brain, the mammalian brain, not just the pineal gland, but the choroid plexus and the cerebral cortex. And another interesting finding in that study was that DMT is produced at the same levels or very similar levels of serotonin and dopamine. So those are very commonly studied neurotransmitters. Scientists feel as though they have a good grasp of what they're doing in the brain in terms of dopamine and serotonin. So that leads us to ask bigger questions about why DMT is floating around in our brains uh, all the time, not just during transcendental states like near-death experiences or dreams. So I think that that study needed to have a big amplification. Uh, it was interesting because people in the space, even guys like Aubrey Marcus, who's well-versed in altered states and very interested in DMT, admitted to me that he hadn't even heard about the 2019 study. And that's exactly why we made it, was to go ahead and get the word out that, you know, that study happened, but also highlighting the fact that it took six years for it to happen between 2013 and 2019. And I don't have the patience to wait another six years for another groundbreaking study. So we're trying to get the ball rolling, trying to make that noise, and hopefully we can get uh, more fundraising involved to really get not just University of Michigan and John Dean and Nick G and Jima Borjik and more funding, but to get even more scientists involved. I'd, lo I'd love to see dozens of labs working on this stuff and really uh, just picking out the details of, of what this molecule and periphery molecules, uh, cousin molecules like 5-MeO-DMT, uh, endogenous monamine oxidase inhibitors. For those of you that don't know, ayahuasca is DMT and monamine oxidase inhibitors. And the body, the human body actually produces multiple monamine oxidase inhibitors as well. So we have a very complex endowasca system. And I feel like it needs to be uh, fully delved into in a scientific manner in order to push that whole conversation forward in terms of uh, the implications for humanity. Yeah, you summed up this amazing research going on. But what do you think is like the most, the biggest impact it could have on our society these days? Like how could it really make a, a change and on which areas could it like duck in and how could... Uh, DMT be used? 
That's a really great question, you know, because, you know, the psychedelic renaissance is upon us, at least the second version of the psychedelic renaissance, right? So we're coming to understand that psychedelics, like exogenous psychedelics, like psilocybin or even exogenous DMT, exogenous 5-MeO, have profound impacts on our mood, on our depression, on alleviating depression, and possibly much more. So there's the potentiality that lower levels of endogenous DMT See, might have a negative effect on our on our mood, on our cognition, on our moments of insight, our imagination. So I think that when, at least for me, I know I'm feeling great. I'm feeling my best when my imagination and my intuition is really intact with myself. So there's a subtle aspect of endogenous DMT, and then there's the even more, I guess, uh, extreme versions of those conversations with things like near-death experiences. And maybe we can start to get a little bit more comfortable having those discussions about uh, what death is. Is it just a biochemical release of DMT or is it peering into the other side? And uh, maybe alleviating fear of death is a very important aspect of having these conversations about what's DMT's function in the body. I mean, with this whole COVID thing, it seems as though uh, you know, it's very polarized in terms of people's, I guess, opinions on COVID. But, you know, at the bottom line, people are are very scared to die. Right. So that's why people will go ahead and, you know, lock themselves up and, you know, all that. And I feel as though we need to overcome that fear of death in order to live fully, because there's always going to be a pandemic. There's always going to be a virus bothering us. So if we can overcome that fear of death, I feel as though uh, it'll allow us to live fully, you know, even in even like soldiers in the middle of battle with bullets whizzing by their heads, right? Like you got to maintain your composure. And I feel like, you know, life has become that for pretty much everybody these days. So we, we need to have those types of conversations about life and death. Do you feel that like our society's fear of facing death is also a reason for research uh, on DMT stopping or that our society is just not ready to face DMT because we're not adjusting the topic of death? <laughs> That's a great that's a great question. I think I don't know if it's necessarily uh, focused on on that aspect as to why there hasn't been enough uh, fundraising for it. I just think that maybe uh, I mentioned this on on other podcasts before was that uh, you know endogenous DMT research actually did take place kind of in the seventies and there was inconclusive uh, data regarding that. So. Back then, they wanted to tie in endogenous DMT and psychiatric disorder. And some studies showed that DMT was elevated with psychiatric dysfunction. And other studies showed that it had no bearing on psych psychiatric dysfunction. And it seemed as though because there was no definitive data that the research interest kind of just fell off to the wayside. But this 2019 study definitely has to revive that interest. And I think that uh, we're going to see some exciting stuff in the, in the you know, next coming years for sure. I had the question, like, why doesn't current research focus on this? What's the dilemma here? Um, because we can speculate about its role in the human body. It's not very clear. Maybe you can give some insight on that, but also on the reason for it not being so prevalent in uh, modern day research. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, you have the government organizations like the NIH. They haven't uh, granted any funds for this stuff for decades at this point. I don't know why. I can't answer that. Some people get into conspiracies, but I just feel as though uh, at this point, we need to go ahead and get that private funding because there's so many billionaires out there. There's so many millionaires out there, people that have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. They're looking to put it towards a good cause. And you know that's why we make the film to make that noise and hopefully interest some of these guys that can you know spare 100 
100,000, 200,000, 2 million, 3 million, because that, that type of money, even like $5 million to make a huge impact in this field. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also interested in endogenous 5-MeO DMT. I mean, that's such a polarizing topic as well, right? Yeah. The God molecule and the spirit molecule floating within us. I think that uh, there's research indicating that both of those molecules act as neuroprotective, anti-inflammatory, uh, antioxidants. So obviously, it seems like they play important roles in just basic cellular function. Uh, in terms of how they affect our perception and things of that nature, those haven't really been fully deciphered yet, but that's why we got to get the research funded to get exactly. better answers. But endogenous 5-MeO, you don't hear a lot about, huh? <laughs> how do yeah. you release endogenous 5-MeO? Yeah, yeah. That's well, very interesting. And what's the difference in terms yeah. of its function and its location? Is there any studies yeah. on this? Well, you know, the thing that really perked my interest was Stephen Barker. So we cited uh, Stephen Barker's unpublished study in the documentary where he gave LSD to rats and uh, he measured the levels of endogenous 5-MeO and endogenous DMT uh, from the LSD administration. And he found that in the rat brain, there was a thousand percent, 1000 percent increase in five, endogenous 5-MeO DMT from LSD and a 400 percent increase in endogenous DMT, which was wow. uh, pretty Pretty trippy to me, right? Because yeah. LSD is considered a very colorful yeah, sort of visionary experience. Yeah. So why was 5-MeO upregulated a thousand percent? And, uh, you know, I had an interview with Barker about a month ago or two months ago, and he said that he wants to replicate that study. So I think that needs to happen yeah. um, just to get b better answers, because there might be the possibility that endogenous 5-MeO uh, is exuded at higher levels that than endogenous DMT. And that would add another caveat of discussion and, and intrigue, right? Also, yeah. how do they intertwine with each other? Like, what's their relation? Like, how, what's their, yeah, exactly. how do they act to, together? Yeah, million questions yeah. Still about this. That's, because it plays such a significant yeah. role, both of them. Uh, we probably need them to survive still. It's like somewhere under the rug. Yeah, it's really, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, we're so yeah. grateful that you're doing this. Like, it's really, these questions are just like way too huge to just be left unaddressed. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody has their life mission, just like you guys have your life mission. I think you guys are doing important stuff as well. So, you know, we're all working together to push this narrative, push this, you know, push the needle, you know, get, get that discussion out there because it's really about discussion, right? There's scientific research, but no, if nobody talks about the scientific research, then it's almost like it didn't happen. So yeah. we're just trying to, we're all trying to get the word out there. So I feel like we're all working together on this. Um, you know, I'm also, you know, one thing I wanted to mention too, is that I'm also interested in periphery fields of research, like altered states of consciousness. Uh, you have organizations like the Society of Scientific Exploration. I talked to the president, Bill Bankston, and it includes 500 academic researchers that are all interested or have been researching like edge science things, things like hands-on healing, telepathy, precognition, all sorts of stuff that's considered you know, not necessarily mainstream or even real, but it's real. You got real researchers looking at it. So I'm looking to get, get those guys funded too. You know, we're, we're looking to go all the way with this. Yeah. You're on the fringes, right? Also stuff that usually people don't uh, dare to touch. Yeah. But how, how, how does science has to like adjust to like, yeah, research on psychedelics because science is like works in like such a narrow way. And I feel like for uh, researching these tools, we probably have to adjust the regulatory tools we use to. Uh... Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, I think we have to start with the basics, right? We have to start yes. with like, you know, EEG studies and see how the brain synchronizes, right? Because there is a lot of uh, research out there indicating that in non 
I guess, mystical aspects of life, the brains can synchronize, right? When you shake somebody's hand, your brain's synchronized. When you have an engaging conversation like we're having right now, our brains are probably like synchronized. When you, when you have a, a deep eye contact and empathy, the brain's synchronized. So is it that uh, far-fetched to take it a little bit step further and think that maybe brains can synchronize without any sort of, uh, I guess, physical sort of uh, mainstream aspects of what we think is communication, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, Bill Benson states that he does have EEG data showing that the brain can synchronize a distant communication. So we just need to keep building upon that and just solidifying the fact that we can use the tools of today to, uh, like, I guess, present futuristic concepts like uh, things like telepathy, distant communication, and possibly even like hands-on healing stuff. That sounds so crazy, but the research is out there. I feel like it's my job to put the megaphone on it and make sure people know that it exists, right? Well, a lot of things sound crazy, especially if you look at now, like you're, you're in the United States and we're in Europe, we're communicating via the air. If you know, if you said this to somebody in 1902, they would say we were crazy, you know, for doing this. And yeah. if you told somebody, you know, what, what you kind of experiences you can have, be it a on breath work or on, on, you know, a psychedelic people are easy to think you're crazy, but it's about the crazy ones who dare to think differently. Yeah, that's it, man. I mean, I think people that are looking for that label of intelligence, uh, they lack that sense of, I guess, um, self-confidence. I'd rather be called crazy than intelligent. You know, yeah. I think that's fun because nobody knows where you're coming from if you're crazy. Right. I'm just uh, I'm excited for for the future of not just DMT Quest, but the whole movement of psychedelics. You know, one of the interesting things that uh, we're going to be working on in fall follow up documentaries is, uh, you know, Wim Hof method Alzheimer's study, because I think that uh, uh, if we present some of these more far fetched outlier concepts like Wim Hof method and DMT, but we apply it to something very tangible like Alzheimer's, then, you know, we can get a, a much greater sort of uh, discussion going on with mainstream scientists, with people that have loved ones that have Alzheimer's or even dementia or even Parkinson's and things of that nature. So, you know, it's my job to kind of tie in the mystical with the very grounded things that uh, can impact society right now. Yeah, mm, that's very, yeah, just really telling people what it could do for them and uh, like a part of just like giving them this, uh, this far-fetched visions of they can't even grasp like the meaning of it. So really applying it to real world problems. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, so like one of the things with Alzheimer's is that uh, it seems as though based on the research out there, they've seen a, a very consistent suppression of the gamma wave. And the gamma wave seems to be correlated with endogenous DMT or exogenous DMT ayahuasca experiences. The gamma wave seems to also be correlated with memory formation and memory retrieval. So it kind of makes sense that Alzheimer's would have suppressed gamma wave and then they wouldn't be able to retrieve the memories. So that's why we like to, you know, we're actually in the midst of doing a study right now with multiple Wim Hof method instructors multiple uh, non-Wim Hof method instructors, people who don't meditate, don't do breath work, and we're doing the EEG data on them. And I could say on your show for the first time that we're looking, we're seeing a fairly consistent upregulation of gamma. So we think that, you know, that's just one piece of it, but we think that maybe there's a potential to apply this to people with Alzheimer's. Obviously, really late stage is going to be difficult based on their uh, ability to have cognitive cognition and, and do the breathing. But, you know, for mild or maybe less severe Alzheimer's, 
you know, if we can go ahead and upregulate their, their gamma waves with, with the Wim Hof method, with the breathing, do it, do it. We're going to be doing a study on this. Uh, maybe that'll help their cognition. Maybe that'll help their mood. And, uh, you know, we got to see what happens, right? I'm not saying, I'm not guaranteeing that it'll reverse it, but I have a good feeling. Yeah. The amount of things you can realize just with breath is of course crazy. And it's, it's linked to EMT. Um, but yeah. that's, that's also a question to you because a lot of people like myself, you know, we like to explore the fringes of our reality and, uh, you know, because it's fun to see beyond the, the, the visual spectrum, uh, dive into our consciousness, our interconnectedness, our history, and also opportunities, you know, for the future and possibilities that you see more clearly when you're in these certain states or you can see more clearly, not necessarily using them for Alzheimer's or for traumas or for PTSD that we see now. Huh? A lot of people use DMT for PTSD. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people who just like to do this fun stuff because they can see crazy shit or they can feel great. Um What's your opinion on this more recreational use? I'm good with it all, right? It's it's your choice, your body. I feel like you should have full freedom to explore as you wish. You know, it's uh, if you want to push it on other people, that's a different story. But, you know, if, if you want to explore and you have your visionary states and maybe get some insights into other layers of reality, I'm all for that, right? I mean, we're all exploring at, at certain levels. So, you know, if you want to use it recreationally, I say go ahead, you know, just try to do it in a, in a proper set and setting. As long as you're not hurting another person, then it's all good with me. Exploration for a lot of people can also be growth. Yeah. I think. And sometimes you find something, you know, you need to work on. And sometimes it's just, uh, you know, purely a blissful insight that you get. But yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, I think information can be either generated by the brain or received by the brain in, in different sort of ways that we're not really understanding yet. So yeah, I say explore, explore away people. Yeah. There's uh, like, what would you say are like the most interesting project that's going on right now? Or what is like the ideal project that should happen right now yeah. uh, in terms of like endogenous DMT research? Yeah. So right now, uh, I've been discussing with several scientists uh, their research projects, and we're actively talking with some potential fundraisers and, and people with dollars to go ahead and support this stuff. Uh, one of them is a non-invasive measurement of uh, endogenous DMT, endogenous 5-MeO in the human brain. So non-invasive means that no needles, no probes, uh, utilizing a, a specific technique that the scientists feel can be utilized to measure the fluctuation of these neurotransmitters uh, almost with like a cap, almost like with like something, not like an EEG, but something like that, non-invasively. So uh, if that could be developed, that's going to be huge because then we could see definitively whether things like Wim Hof method, meditation, uh, upregulate uh, endogenous DMT or endogenous 5-MeO. Another one is uh, developing a blood plasma measurement technique in which they would take uh, blood draws and, and measure fluctuations in uh, DMT either circadian rhythm or Wim Hof method, things like that. I mean, this is very uh, foundational DMT research that, uh, you know, it, I feel like it's very important, at least for to, to set the set the bar, set the stage, and then we can keep going like further and further to the outliers. Yeah. So what are your, what are your next steps and how can people get involved? Next steps. Well, I think uh, next week I'm going to go ahead and uh, 
be uh, I'm going to put out a, a public link that we're going to start accepting a cryptocurrency for DMT quest. So I think that should help build some interest. I know that, yes. that, uh, that community seems to be really interested in, in the psychedelic space and all that. Um, and just having further discussions with more, um, with more, uh, philanthropists that are interested in this space that want to support. So if you want to support, just, uh, check out dmtquest.org first, watch the documentary, uh, don't email me unless you watch the documentary because I want you to already be on the same page and understand where we're going with this, you know? So yeah, check out the documentary on YouTube. It's free, DMT Quest. Just type it in the search bar, check it out. It's only 40, about 40 minutes. And then just uh, email me at jchavez at dmtquest.org and we can start a conversation and help this thing, you know, keep moving forward. Yeah, great. Per- personally, what are you most excited about the, this work? Like, why is that uh, so fascinating to you? Well, you know, I, I think personally speaking, I think the ability to address not just physical disease, but also manipulate one's body. I think the the power of visualizations hasn't really been fully tied in with things like endogenous psychedelics because a psychedelic is considered a hallucination. You take a substance and then you see visions that aren't there. But a th- something like mental imagery or visualization is to me, it is almost the same, except it's a conscious hallucination because you are forcing yourself to get it so deep into your imagination. You see something that's not there, but it can affect your physical body. It can affect physical reality. Uh, I've seen this. I've taught this. There's research out there that indicates all this stuff is real. It's been studied for decades, really. Stuff like biofeedback, stuff like mental imagery. We know that Olympic athletes use a lot of this stuff to go ahead and improve their performances. So just tying it in with the psychedelic discussion, and especially endogenous DMT, endogenous 5-MeO, I think that's going to really uh, make a huge impact on the world. You know, stuff like Joe Dispenza's work, uh, spontaneous remission yes. of disease, stuff like that, right? Like imagine if... Uh, we really blasted that out to maybe a hundred million, 200 million, a billion people. Uh, just the, the fear of getting disease, the fear of death, uh, the ability to empower the public. I think that's exciting. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Very, very oh, beautiful. Thanks man for this yeah. inspiring talk. Really, really grateful for your yeah. time and like really, oh. really inspired by your mission. It's really, exactly. um, it's, 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 so good to, it's, it's so good to see what you're doing. It's really, yeah. uh, yeah somebody on empowering the, on the frontier exactly yes yeah. <laughs> yeah right on man i mean you guys are on the same sort of tip you know and i hope that uh you know we'll keep in contact and if you guys need help you know kind of getting the word out or me to connect with some people with uh, the projects that you guys are working on I'm, I'm always down you guys have great energy so you know let's just keep moving forward fellas yeah we'll still beautiful have to, we have the, the common vision yeah we, have the con- we, we still need to uh get the attention of dennis mckenna i guess yes so, uh, we might <laughs> okay. send him a box <laughs> yeah for sure yeah go ahead and uh send me the details in the email and you know we'll link you up with dennis and dennis is a great guy and he has a similar vision so let's make it happen thank beautiful you. hey thank I you so much it. so much thank you guys man we'll keep in contact and look forward to seeing you guys again